You're listening to RPI Takes on the World. No, no, no. Take it again. It's got to be bigger than that. This is important, meaningful stuff. But it wasn't important or meaningful. It's just one man giving his opinions on whatever random thoughts enter his mind on that particular day. Ha 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 ha. I'm dying. This is gold. Pure gold. What is up, you guys? Guess who's back? I am. Did you miss me? Of course you did. What have I been doing in the last six months? Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what I've been doing in the last six months. I've been, uh, I've been actually really busy, and that's no excuse. You know, it's no excuse to walk away from the podcast that you all love so much. But uh, I didn't realize how busy I was last last week. I was uh, going over numbers and stuff, and uh, the old the business has increased by fifty percent this year. So that kind of helped me piece together. I felt like I was doing more work, but I wasn't exactly sure. Um, but I was. I was doing like fifty percent more work. But back when I started doing this podcast, I was. I'd started it because I wanted to do it for fun and, and I'm going to continue to do it now. But at the time I was uh, getting systems in place because I was managing, producing, distributing podcasts for some of my clients and I just hadn't done it in a long time. And so in the meantime, I kind of got my ducks in a row and got stuff in order. So now it's going to be a lot easier for me to maintain this thing and, and keep it going. So if you haven't listened for a long time, or if you uh, if you're just now listening for the first time, it's it's been six weeks, and I was doing a weekly podcast starting like from March and April. So I did like six before, and now I'm going to get back on it. Hopefully, stick with it for a while. Um, and a lot's happened in the last six months. You know, I'll tell you this. Uh, so I had uh, the girlfriend has officially moved in to the house, so we've got two grown adults a golden retriever and a cat living in 850 square feet of just pure bliss right out here in uh, Prairie Village in Kansas. So, so we've got that going on, which is, which is pretty good. You know, we got, uh, we got her moved in and that's been a a little bit of uh, an adjustment for everybody. Cause like I said, it's a small house. And uh, when you bring in uh, a girl, you know, they, they tend to have a lot of stuff outfits and whatnot, seasonal outfits and whatnot and furniture. And we got all that. We got settled. So that's going well. So the relationship still intact after moving in. As a matter of fact, another huge step in the relationship last week, I got added to the girlfriend's family's group text. So I'm not sure exactly what the law says about that. I have a feeling it could be, I don't know if that's like common law marriage in 2019. I don't know if there's uh if, if I'm on the hook, if something official has happened as a result of that. But I, I thought, wow, I got this text and uh, yeah, right there, the whole family included in that. So, so things are going well on that. The dog is good. You know, we're hanging in there. All that stuff is, uh, is happening. And um, yeah, that pretty much gets you up to speed. Other than that, I've been pretty much just on the internet, you know, making videos, making podcasts for my clients, trying to help, help other people, you know, trying to help people grow their business and whatnot. So that's been going on, but, uh, that pretty much gets you up to speed. The next thing that I was going to talk about today is, uh, went to Nashville last weekend, yesterday, as a matter of fact, I got back yesterday for the first time. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I lived down in Nashville from 2010 to 2016 and, uh, man, it was it was crazy just the fact that it's already been 
Like, I guess it'll be four years in February since I moved back. So three and a half years, something like that. And I've only been down there one time since. So I moved back to Kansas City in February of 2016. And I went back quickly in October of that same year, October of 2016, literally flew in for one day. Uh, my, my little cousin and I went and saw Bill Burr did uh, one of his, he taped a special at the Ryman in Nashville and it was incredible. So we, we flew down, did that, came back, but it wasn't really, I was in and out. I didn't really see anybody. I didn't really see much of the town aside from, you know, we hit a couple, we went and did the hit to hit the show at the Ryman and then went to a few different, um, a few different bars, but uh, had not been to Nashville in gosh, forever in that town. I mean, when I was down there, I think it was growing something like a hundred people a day, which is absolutely insane. And um, it's just crazy how big that town has gotten or how, how I guess how much it's grown. And it, what, what's even, what's even more insane is that it's still growing. I think it like near that it's like 85 people a day are moving to that town. And it is just crane after crane after crane downtown. Um, and I, the thing of it is, so of course we went down there and I went down with my girlfriend and three of her friends. And it was originally, we had originally planned a, uh, a couple's trip to go to Nashville. Mizzou played Vanderbilt. I, we, we lost to Vanderbilt. Like we we're 21 point favorites. I don't know how it happened. I'm not the Monday morning quarterback. I'm not going to call for Odom's head or anything like that. Um, but I do not understand how we can look so good against teams like South Carolina and then turn around and, and lose to a team like Vanderbilt on their homecoming. But I digress, right? So we'd originally had this planned with my girlfriend and one of her friends and her boyfriend, and they broke up, unfortunately. Because that's the other thing about this. So I ended up going to Nashville with four girls <laughs> and it was fine because, you know, I, like I said, I lived down there. So I have friends down there and I was able to meet up with people and everything. But the worst part about that is, you know, couple friends are really hard to find, especially couple friends that you can travel with. And that's something that I didn't realize until I got older, but you realize like once you you know, you've got your core group of friends from like high school, college, things like that. And then you guys, everybody kind of goes their own way. Some people get married. Some people don't. Most people get married. Right. And then they have kids. And so you start losing friends. Like when you go through those life stages, like, first of all, if you, if y'all went to college together, then you're going to lose, you know, depending on where you move, you're going to lose a chunk of your friends. If you're, if you like, I went to Mizzou. So my St. Louis friends, you know, you're still, you stay in touch with them. Like you're still friends with them, but it's not the day-to-day -day thing that you're used to. Um, so you've got, so you lose that, you lose that first initial kind of group of friends and you find new friends when you move to your town or whatever. But then, you know, you realize as you get older that sometimes people don't marry the best people. <laughs> so you hit that wave of marriages in your late twenties, early thirties, and you end up losing a handful of people through that. And then people have kids and life gets busy and all this other, you know, crazy stuff. My, my, I say all that. So it's like when you can find a couple, a group of couple friends, it's really nice. So it's sad when, you know, it, it, this, this breakup, they're both good people. Like neither one of them were like, Oh, you know, I'm so glad that he's out of the picture or she's out of the picture. So it was just one of those things where it was like, it would have been a, it would have been 
a different experience if it was two couples versus me and four girls driving to Nashville for the weekend. But we had a great time. Got to know my girlfriend's friends really well, really intimately. We all we all learned a lot of things, you know, things that you learn when you're staying in a uh, a little Airbnb in Nashville together and uh, you're spending, I don't know what, 17 hours in a car together in two days, things like that. Um, but the trip was phenomenal. The weather was pretty decent, you know, and I will say this too. The other thing that, uh, that caught me off guard, we, we had this awesome, this, the location was phenomenal for Airbnb. We were right down on music row, which, um, is hop, skip and a jump as the kids say to like midtown and, and down to Broadway and stuff. And, uh, so that was fantastic. But what I, I, I couldn't stop freaking out about was I was like, man, this bed is so comfortable. And I ended up like Googling, I had to pull, I pulled the, the sheets off the mattress. It was like a $275 mattress from Amazon. Of course, you know, this is one of those places, a lot lot of people in Nashville, you know, since so many people travel down there, there's a lot of people that either for their side business or their full business, they just buy properties and rent out Airbnbs. And that's what this place was, you know, set up to sleep. I don't know, like eight people or whatever. And it was like a little two bedroom apartment down on, on music row. But anyway, ended up having a really good time, but we went down, of course they wanted to do Broadway, which is fine. You know, I, I I was never, even when I lived in Nashville, like you don't go to Broadway all the time when you live there, obviously that's a real touristy thing to do, but it was always fun to have, but we went down there and I'm telling you, man, in the last like three and a half years, I, I, I hate sounding like that, like old, like artsy person, but man, they have really like, in my opinion, they've taken away a lot of the things that made Broadway so cool, you know, like paradise park is the best example that I can think of, which it was this dive bar right in the middle of Broadway. They had like a food, like late night food and all this stuff. And I know the guys that own that. I know Clay Travis is one of the guys that own it. He's a sports talk guy or whatever. And, and, you know, I don't fault people for doing stuff like that, but the bars to me that stood out that I thought were just like, just kind of, I don't know, man, they were just kind of like gross. (laughs) We're like kid rocks, new bar and the Florida Georgia line house. And like, Dirk Bentley, it's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, I I am a capitalist 100%. I'm all for it. But, you know, they they basically destroyed Printer's Alley in Nashville. And they're like all the things that made Nashville great, they're slowly but surely tearing down and replacing with these like super corporate uh, you know, condos and, 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 you know, restaurants and bars. And I mean, back the first time I went to Nashville was like in the early 2000s, like 2005 is when, and that's when I was like, holy shit, I think I should move here. I think it'd be great for, I think I could, you know, really pursue this writing thing. And I didn't end up moving down for another five years, but, but the thing was like, you went down music row back then. And even then it had already changed from what it was in the nineties, which was literally just a bunch of tiny old houses, you know, that all these publishing companies had set up shop in and they were starting to be replaced by buildings, you know, but, um, now and Nashville, it was a blast. I mean, Nashville was a really good time, but I, it felt like, you know, the, my least favorite time of year to be in Nashville when I lived there was during CMA fest. 
when which just like everybody just from you know the midwest just came that flocks down there in droves and it's just a it's just absolute insanity for like uh like four or five days like a week and it's usually i think in may or june and i mean the funny thing was I would say a large majority of the locals would like pick that weekend to go on their vacation to get out of town because that was the vibe. It was just overrun with like, I mean, the tourist thing was always there and it was cool, but it was overrun with that. And one of my buddies who lives down there was telling me, he's like, man, he's like, basically they have turned Broadway into CMA fest every weekend. And that's, that's the most accurate description that I can think of for what they've done to that. And it's, it's one of those things where like, I still, I love Nashville and I got all, you know, I had moved down there at such a pivotal point in my life. I'd gone through, was going through a divorce, went through a divorce, didn't have any kids. So basically I started my life over down there where I, and I knew like two people and I built a really great network of people. I had kind of two groups of friends. One were like my older people that were like my age, like corporate friends. And then I had a whole different group of guys that were like the musician artist made like in the music business. And, you know, been staying in touch with those guys. I get to see them when they're on the road and everything. Um, and it was just, it was such a, it was a great trip to go down there and to catch up with a lot of those guys and see some of them that were in town. And it was so fun. And, and what I'm taking, what I've taken out of that, out of that trip is, um, I talked about going to Nashville in 2005 and then moving down in 2010. And I'm telling you right now, um, if there is something that you want to do, I would say, do it now. Don't wait those five years. You know, now part, part of the reason I did wait until my, my mom passed away in 2006 and she was sick for, I don't know, five or 10 years. So I don't regret waiting until after that happened, but I'm telling you right now, if there's something that you want to do in this life, especially now, uh, don't hesitate. Don't hesitate at all. Like, just go for it. Because seeing all those guys down there and seeing how well they're doing, it's, I wish everybody could experience it. And that was the thing that I, you know, it was such a stark contrast when I moved back to Kansas City. Um, I went from a town where all of my friends were extremely talented and working their asses off. I mean, everybody was hustling and all these guys, they're all about 10 years younger than me. So they're all in their early thirties at this point. And they were all in their mid twenties. I was in my mid thirties when I moved down there. And, um, you know, so whenever people talk about millennials being lazy or whatever, I'm like, not these guys, <laughs> not these and, and gals, you know, men and women, the guys and girls that I knew down there, everybody was busting their ass and nobody was making any money. They were making ends meet. That was it. And now they are making money. And it just goes to show you that when I look at those guys and what they've done and how far all those, I mean, there's not a guy down there that's not, that has not excelled incredibly in their field since the time we left. And the reason they did it is because they all just put their, put their nose down and went to work. Nobody was handed it. Like none of these guys, we moved down there and we, you know, what happens in Nashville is you move down there and you kind of crew up. Like you, you, like it's like a, like a pledge class or like a graduating class. And it's not based on age. It's based on when you get to town. It's on when you get to Nashville, you know? And, um, and those guys have done so well. And so I went from that atmosphere and I just got burnt out from being on the road and I didn't want to 
I didn't want to live that road lifestyle anymore. And I took this job in Kansas city and I came back and I was in a, working for a corporation where people were making a ton of money and they were miserable. <laughs> it was just, it was the exact opposite. And you know, they were great people. They were the people I was working with. I'm friends with the vast majority of them still, or I mean like 99.9% of them, I would consider friends of mine and they were great people, but they were doing a job that they weren't passionate about and they were succeeding. But my point is my friends that are in Nashville, it took them, you know, they've been down there for at this point, seven, eight, nine years, but they're all succeeding too. And they're succeeding at what they're, they were passionate about. So I would say more than anything, man, if there's something you want, there's never been a better time. There has never, ever, ever been a better, better time to go chase something you want because it's, it's, you can hustle. If you if you're willing to hustle and work, then you can make that money. You can make a living. No problem. No questions asked. And that kind of ties into another topic that I was going to get into, like my, I guess the second topic of this podcast. So and it actually ties into Nashville and my my radio, my job. I, the job I took when I came back was at a radio station here in Kansas City, and um, I, I worked at Q one hundred four for about eighteen months. It was there are four stations, but Q one hundred four is one of them. There's a country station here in town, and I worked for there. I'd worked there for a couple of years right out of college before I moved down to Nashville. But uh, about a week or week and a half, I guess it was about a week ago. I was on Twitter and you know scrolling through, and and uh, one of the guys I used to work with. I see he's the uh, he's the guy that's in charge of the on-air staff at Q104, right? He's a program director. And they had some they've recently had some personnel changes where, you know, a few of the staff from Q104 had left and uh, there was an opening, I guess for the morning show. Um, and I don't I don't know, I don't keep up with it that much. But there were some local guys that were I guess they were on 96.5 The Buzz, which is a, it's a great station in Kansas City. It's a great, it's like an alternative rock station. It's one of the, my favorite stations I listen to. It's, you know, they played stuff like Judah and the Lion, Head in the Heart, all that kind of, the stuff that I listen to, it's not country. Um, but I guess these guys had a morning show or were on the air on The Buzz and they had reached out to uh, Todd, the program director at Q104. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, this is not, private information. This was all shared publicly on Twitter, which is why I'm talking about this. Otherwise I wouldn't be talking about anything that was, uh, you know, private or anything. And, and Todd, from, from what I can, you know, from what I know is a good guy. I mean, I don't, I don't know him. I never worked underneath him. We worked cause he was in charge of the on air and I was working in sales, but you know, he deals with a lot of the people that I know from Nashville and he's respected, um, on, from the people, the Nashville people that I know respect him and the people that work for him respect him. And he was always a pretty good guy, but these guys end up sending him, uh, they email him about the morning show at Q104. I guess there's an opening. I'm not, I, I guess there was, there is something like that. But when he doesn't respond to their email, they screenshot it and they tweet at him. <laughs> and uh, it's one of those things where, they had talked about him ignoring their emails and they're like, you know, this is just typical radio stuff. And they put it out there publicly about how he basically trying to call him out 
And they, they, in the Twitter thread, they say it's a joke, but it's not a joke, right? They're, they're calling him out for not getting back to him, for not getting back to them, which uh, here's the thing, man. My entire life, when I was playing music, I was doing all my own booking and management stuff. And so I have been selling shit essentially since I was, since I started my first band in college when I was like 19, 20 years old, I was the guy that called bars, went into bars, you know, talk to anybody, promoters, all that. I did it. Every time I would end up hooking up with a booking agent, it would go south. It would not work well. I was always the guy that was selling. So I understand the frustration that you feel when somebody doesn't get back to you. I also understand that that's just business, right? So if you're out there trying to sell something, if you're looking for a job, I understand that you can be frustrated about things like that, but to me, like it's a bad look. There are people that don't get back to me now in my new business, people that I've went, that I've gone and I've had meetings with that just ghost me. Right. And it's a little frustrating, but it's also part of the business and putting somebody like, I don't, I hate to use like old school hip hop, putting somebody on blast <laughs> for lack of a better term publicly. It's like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, first of all, any industry, but especially radio in Kansas city is very, it's a very small community. It's a very small group of people. So you're not doing yourself any favors at all by doing that because people talk and it just doesn't look good. Right. But that was, that was, that was part of it. But what really got me was, so these guys reached out and Todd tweeted at them. And then Bobby Bones jumps in. Bobby Bones is a guy that's syndicated out of Nashville. Again, I'm not a, I don't know much of, I know who he is. I've never been a huge, like uh, I've never been a listener or, you know, I mean, I've heard his show, but I'm not like a, a, a super big fan or anything, but he's done very well for himself. Right. And again, people love the guy. People, listeners love him. He's got a, he's respected in the industry and all that. And he, he tweets at this guy. He's like, I'd, I'd go ahead and I'm going to read what Bobby Bones said to this after um, the, the morning show guys were like, you know, you ignored every email. Let's be honest and say you, you made your decision before the job was posted. That's what the morning show guys were tweeting at, at Todd. And so Bobby says, I'd pull the whole thread. I'm sure you're a good dude. It's not a great look. I was probably ignored a hundred times to one. I just kept plugging not publicly crying out, keep grinding. You'll get there. The fighters always do. And so then these guys, I guess they were successful in Kansas city. You know, they were, they were on a good, you know, the buzz, like the buzz is a huge radio station. They have great numbers and it goes on down a little bit farther. And Bobby goes back and he says, you know, after going back and forth a little bit, he replies to a couple other people who says, you're missing the point. Everyone everywhere gets screwed and far worse. When you stop playing victim, you can start being a winner. Also, it was more about the public call out of a non-reply on email. Okay. So he's basically sitting there saying like, look, man, this is just life. Life happens. And this is, this is the whole reason I wanted to talk about this tweet. There is a response and this girl says, anytime people start talking about being quote winners, you know, they are privileged. They think we live in a meritocracy, and if you just grind it out hard enough, you can win. And that's what I wanted to talk about here, because 
I am so tired of the word privilege being thrown around by people that are jealous of other people. And I understand that privilege exists, right? And I'm, I, I guess I'm old and I'm from an era where I work so that I can provide privilege for my family, right? I'm willing to work my ass off and take the things that I've been given, the gifts that I've been given. The privilege I had was the fact that I was born to a family with two parents that loved them, each other and myself and my sister. And they raised me and they taught me things, right? And they, they taught me the difference between right and wrong. They taught me how to work. They taught me all of these things. And one of the most important things that they taught me was that life is not fair. And I don't understand what has happened in the last, like, I don't even know, five or 10 years where all of a sudden victimhood is like, is the end game. Like people want to sit there and say, oh, well, you're privileged because of X, Y, and Z. Bobby Bones, look, man, I, I don't know the guy from Adam, right? And I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's had things in his life that were, that were easy, but I also know that in United, in the United States in 2019, it is by and large a meritocracy. And what that means is if you're willing to do the work that other people aren't willing to do, you can succeed regardless of your, of your history. There are, there is every, there's not one single group of people that have not succeeded in this country. So if you want to, what I'm saying is if you are, if you are of the mindset that there are people that have it easy and people that have succeeded have had something handed to them and you won't succeed because it's harder for you or because you didn't have a rich family or because you have student loans or whatever it is, that is a loser mentality. And you're going to, you're going to lose, dude, you're going to lose. But if you look at the things, the struggles that you've had, and if you look for people that have had similar struggles and looked how they've overcome them, you can find a way to win. But if you, if you want to look at other people and think that they had it handed to them, some of which did. There are some people that they were born into money or they were born into an industry or whatever. And they, they just, you know, they got a lot of really big breaks. And, and that's just the thing of it is, that's just life. Life's not fair. But for some reason, we've propped up, we've, we've made this victim culture such a big thing that people are, you know, they're, they're just they're sitting in there, they're having these pity parties for themselves all day. And if you focus on other people and their success and their, their ease or, the, you know, the, the road that was easy, it was easier for them because they're a man or because, you know, they, they were born, at, 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 you know, in this neighborhood or what, whatever. I mean, you can find so many different reasons. You can also find people that, were born in the worst circumstances that have turned it around. And that's going to segue so nicely into the final topic of today's podcast, because I'm going to try to, and it's hard to find, I'm going to try to find positive stories 
for, I'm going to try to find a positive story for each one of these podcasts right now, because I spend my life, like I said, I do social media marketing and I do a lot of audio and video production stuff and the audio and video production. That's fine, right? That's no big deal. But social media, I'm on Twitter a lot. I'm on Instagram a lot. I'm on Facebook a lot. And you see all the garbage out there and you see all the negativity. And, and there's a reason for that because, you know, outrage sells. It gets people to click. When you're mad about something, you're going to click on it. You're going to read that article. It's rage bait. You know, it's a huge thing right now. And these companies know exactly what they're doing. And by companies, I mean, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and they're going to show you things that are going to get clicks, right? And a lot of times that's stuff that's going to piss you off. It's going to, and that's why that's a big part of why we're so divided right now as a, as a country, because these companies are in business to make money and they make money by getting people to, to, to go to their website or whatever. And the way you do that is by irritating people. It's a lot easier to get people to read something. And so it, it polarizes us, right? And so I'm going to try to find stuff that's positive because those stories are out there. You just have to look a lot harder to find them. And it was, this was last week when I saw this story pop up and I was just, I was blown away. So Warwick Dunn is a, uh, he's a, he was, he's a retired NFL football player and he has started a, uh, he started a charity back when he was, uh, I think it was his, his rookie year. Um, and he just turned, he turned a tragedy into something, something absolutely phenomenal. And so I found this story. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read, read a little bit of a background on this, but Warwick Dunn's mother, her name is Betty Smothers, was a police officer in Baton Rouge, and she was killed in 1993 while she was working her second job. So she was a police officer, but she was moonlighting as a security guard, and she ended up getting shot and dying during that job. Now, that was just a few days between Warwick Dunn's 18th birthday, and it was a month before he committed to playing football at Florida State University. He was the oldest son of, of her family, and he had, I think he had five younger siblings, five of them. This guy since then, so, so he ended up going to Florida State, playing football. He got drafted by, I think it was uh, by Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay, by the Buccaneers. And coach, uh, coach Tony Dungy, who was the, the coach back at the time, he challenged his players. If you're going to live in this community, become a part of this community, give back to the community. So at that point, he started a charity because he thought about his mom, who was a single mother and her dream of home ownership. And so in 1997, they did, they got, they were able to house, get housing for three single mothers of children. And it is absolutely phenomenal. And when it talked about, to give you an idea of Warwick's story growing up, this is a quote that I found. So I grew up in a situation, this is a quote from Warwick Dunn. I grew up in a situation where we needed a lot of support. I lost my mom at 18, single mom, six kids, and a Baton Rouge police officer. She was gunned down by armed robbers at a bank. When she lost her life, the city of Baton Rouge started a fund for us, and that's how we were able to survive and pay bills. And when I saw that from the city, that really helped me understand what it means to care about your neighbor and give back and support. I just think now I've been driven for so many years. This is part of who I am. 
I want to see people smile and help anyone that I could possibly help. Well, last week, Warwick Dunn was able to give away the 173rd home. And his, his charity works with other groups. So they work with Habitat for Humanity and you know other, other local areas, and they get other businesses to help contribute. But this one man has taken... He was a he was the, a child of a single mother who worked two jobs to support her six children. He ended up basically raising his five younger brothers and sisters. And not only did he do that and pull himself out of that situation, but he also has changed the lives of a minimum. I mean, this is 173 homes since this whole thing started back in 1997. 173 homes. These are the stories that when people are talking about LeBron James, you know, bowing down to China and stuff like that, and that's all over the news. That's what is just, it takes the entire news cycle and you got all the election stuff going on and it's just absolute craziness. But these are the stories that are out there. And I want, I want people to start focusing on, like, I just feel like if we could get back to the, to the place where we would focus on the individual and the good that's out there, then we would all be happier and better off. Right. As opposed to just sitting here and wallowing. I mean, we've all got shit. We've all got things that have happened to us. We've all got a deck stacked against us, but we can figure out how to turn that around. And I mean, look, if this guy can do it, then anybody can. So my message, I I mean, I'm preaching today. I'm preaching. But honestly, you're not a victim. Don't be a victim. We've all got, we've all got our shit. We've all got privilege and we've all been victimized in some, in some way, way, shape or form. So focus on what you've got, what you're good at and go out and do good and be nice to people. Is that that hard? I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. I don't think, I don't think it should be that difficult. So anyway, that was kind of a heavy podcast for the first one back. Hope you're not too mad at it. Uh, if you like it. Oh, also, the website is up and live. So you can check that out if you'd like to. It's just rpitakes.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at rpitakes, Instagram, rpitakes. Those are all good ways to get a hold of me. Facebook page will be set up soon for anybody that's on Facebook or if you want to tell your aunt about this podcast or anything like that. Um, If you did like this and I know you did, please do me a favor and subscribe rate and review. That would be fantastic. I really appreciate you listening and I appreciate you coming back after six months. And I am, uh, you have my word. It will be less than six months before the next one comes back. Y'all have a great day and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to RPI Takes on the World. Please share with your friends, subscribe, rate, and review. 